What's up, Bass Edge Nation? We are ready to get up and rock this house. Bass Edge, episode 205, coming right at you. That's right, Bass Edge Nation. And as always, it is presented by MegaWare Keelguard. Give your boat the edge. Log on to KeelGuard.com. Here it is, y'all. If you're not fired up right now, this is the place to be. We got a huge show coming at you. We got Casey Ashley, Bassmaster Classic Champion on deck, plus a lot of exciting things going on here at Bass Edge with Aaron and Kurt. Stay tuned. This show is beginning now. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Powerpole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, Powerpole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, Powerpole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Powerpole, swift, silent, secure. Visit Powerpole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing. Coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. All right, Kurt, now that everybody has their eardrums back and volume turned down, would you mind explaining what the heck was that is that like your fish alarm that goes off you know when you catch a fish get a bite what is that thing straight up this is a buzz light year alarm clock that's why i had all the space rocket stuff and everything and and the big buzzer and actually when i was growing up i'm still growing up obviously but, but when i was growing up and i had tournaments dude i would use this clock because there was no question you weren't oversleeping you were gonna get up and when you got up you were either gonna be pissed or or totally awake. So, uh, so what is it? Buzz Lightyear three or whatever it was. The movie that came out, Toy Story three, where that one actually made the box that went to college and then off to your marriage and and now off to bass tournaments with you because you just couldn't give it up to go to the charity. And now straight into Bass Edge Studios. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Good stuff. Hey man, tell me about what happened at Table Rock. You got the uh, Central Pro Elite event, dude. You knocked it out of the park almost. Oh. Almost. Obviously, a lot of good fishermen down there, and uh, hats off to Brent Algio, who just uh, put the whooping on us. You know, I, I know that time of year, obviously, I fish that lake a lot. You got to have 20 pounds a day. He did it. I did not. I had uh, 15 and some change day one, and 17 and a half, almost 18 pounds, I guess, on day two. But interesting, you know, Kurt, between you and I, you were fishing the shallow, dirtier water, flipping and pitching, and, you know, my boat never got in any less than 40 feet 
feet of water, and most of the time was setting in 60 to 70 feet of water, you know, fishing submerged uh, cedar tree tops that had about 30 feet of water over them in crystal clear water, just swimming and reeling as slow as what I possibly could. Well, yeah, just a few hours south, you know, I, I'm pitching and flipping some vegetation and not being able to sight fish because the water was a little dirty on the Sabine, but uh, catching a lot of fish that were betting. Had a good event, not a great event, you know. I even $10,000, man. Come yeah, on. Yeah, that, that's true. Well, what'd you get for your second place finish? I got uh, two and some change, I think. So, hey, but, uh, yeah. yeah so I'm, that's paying some bills. That's paying, that's paying some bills for, for a little uh, weekend warrior type deal. A bunch of good anglers and setting second place in the angler of the year, six points off the lead. So I'm I'm pumped. You should be. You, um, you should be rightfully so. You're tearing it up, man. I can see the big AOY crown sitting on top of your head at the end of that season. So uh, hopefully it works out for you. For me, middle of the pack finish. I, I even posted on my Facebook, you know, could be better, could be worse. You know, that, that's kind of the story of life sometimes, but you just keep positive, you keep pushing on. Now, now you leave that, what was behind you, and uh, you move forward. We got Gunnersville coming up uh, in, in a few weeks, and uh, I'm all, all over the place. I'm actually getting ready to run out to California and do a little pre-practice and, and uh, all kinds of stuff. So uh, excited to get things continued moving because we are in the middle of all this stuff. Hopefully everyone's been able to check out the 20-foot deep episode that's on Bass Zone. We talked about that last couple episodes. Uh, they're coming out with a new one soon. And uh, if you haven't seen the Ike episode, Mike Iaconelli on 20-foot deep taking a real leap into his past and what makes Iconelli tick. So that was pretty cool. And then, of course, Bass Blaster, dude, it's been going nuts. Giant fish caught everywhere, telling you lures and tips. And uh, make sure you sign up for Bass Blaster. And you can do that by sending an email to BassBlaster at BassGold.com. Kurt, as I mentioned, I mean, we have no shortage of topics and information to get at today. And that kind of cues us right up for the Protect the Harvest Pro Tip, and uh, certainly that is brought to you by ProtectTheHarvest.com, keeping our traditions alive for future generations. This is FLW Tour Champion JT Kenny. Be sure to stay tuned right here on Bass Edge Radio. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine Products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Farm to Feed Pro Angler Andy Montgomery, and you are tuned in to Bass Edge Radio. We have BASS Elite Series Pro James Niggermeyer today for our pro tip. James, here's the question. You're cruising down the bank, you see a spawning bass. What is your strategy to catch that fish? Once I see one, visually see one, where I feel like he's actually protecting an area, he's on a bed, the thing that I want to kind of assess is, 
is he really spooky or can I get close to him? And how close can I get to him without him getting a little jittery and that making it more difficult for me to catch the fish? Once I've kind of assessed the mood of the fish, the behavior that he has, then I want to either lock down with my power poles to kind of secure the boat. And if I'm in an aluminum boat or whatever, just a regular anchor on a line, something so that I'm not fighting the trolling motor and trying to present a lure in a fashion that will make that fish strike. The second thing that I like to do is have two or three different baits, a tube, a lizard, maybe a jig, to see which shape and or color he best reacts to. Once I feel like I know, let's say he likes the tube and he likes it in watermelon or he likes it in white, then I go to work on him. And typically within that area, there's a sweet spot. And then once I find out where that is, you'll notice his behavior really start to get aggressive. His fins will start to flare. Maybe even his colors will come out uh, bright on the side. What I mean, like that black stripe down the side, that black little blotchy line down the side will get bright. And you'll notice him turn to it and get kind of excited. Now I know I'm in the sweet spot. I'm in the area where he is most protective over this little area that we would call his bed or his spawning area. And so once I get that and once I figure those things out, then I just continue to present the lure in the most natural way. Sometimes it's past the fish and then I bring it to him and sometimes they like that. Sometimes it's best if I can just make the most delicate presentation right in with the most splash lift entry that I can do and drop it right on his head and that'll sometimes get him to react better. But kind of knowing the clues, kind of seeing the way the fish reacts and his behavior towards my presentation and again going back to the beginning, my boat position will also show me just how close I can get to the fish or how far I have to stay back. If I notice that when I first see him, he gets really spooky, I might double back. I might go past him and turn around and come back and then set back up where I feel like he may be unaware of my presence. Just knowing and watching for the clues of the fish is real important when you're trying to catch those sight fish in the springtime. Well, thanks, James, for bringing us today's pro tip brought to you by ProtectTheHarvest.com, keeping our traditions alive for future generations. Two fishermen came together with one agenda to construct bass boats superior in design and build with a flawless finish with our boats exhilarating handling and smooth ride extreme rough water just doesn't exist we're not just building a boat we're building a legend legend boats This is Facts and Fishing host Dave Mercer, and you're listening to Bass Edge Radio. Well, everybody, we got the champ in the house today. That's right. We've got 2015 Bassmaster Classic champion Casey Ashley in our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Welcome back to Bass Edge, Casey. Thank you, man. I appreciate y'all having me. Well, Casey, first off, you know, congratulations on your Bassmaster Classic victory at Lake Hartwell this past February. I'm sure it has been a whirlwind since Crown the Champion, and we certainly appreciate, you know, you taking time to be with us here again on Bass Edge Radio. Now, I heard you said at the Sabine River, you're happy to get back on the water. How are you kind of handling the different role that uh, you now have in the fishing community as, you know, and I'm sure you'll never get tired of hearing this, classic champion? Is it 
uh, more than you imagined? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely more than you imagined. You know, I've been to a bunch of classics, and you watch the winner, and you always wonder what the feeling would be like to win that trophy and hold that trophy up over your head. And, you know, you go to the champion's toast that night, and you get to hear the, the winner's speech, and, you know, you just think how cool that is. They just won the Bassmaster Classic. But little do you know what comes after that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty good ride, I can tell you. Like I said, by the time I got to the Sabine, I was just ready to actually get in the boat and hold a fishing rod. <laughs> a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails. I learned how to talk on my cell phone and, and text on it at the same time. So that's something I didn't really know how to do until I won the Classic. <laughs> but it, it has. It's been good. I've got to talk to a lot of different people. That's awesome. I'm sure you're going to go through uh, a whole year and, and even a, a career of this now that you've classed the, the champion trophy. And, and Casey, you know, I really want to make sure our listeners understand the strategy change that you made during this event to become victorious. You know, I believe we can all learn a very valuable lesson from that. Obviously, overcoming very adverse conditions with the cold weather, you know, it looked apparent after your first couple of days that maybe the way you exactly imagined the tournament was going to go down changed quite a bit. Take us from your strategy of pre-practice and, and kind of that local knowledge that you had of Hartwell to the adjustment you made during the event to ultimately win it. Yeah, you know, pre-practice pretty well ran out there and you know and first thing in the morning every morning I, I tried to find the, the ditch bite you know with the herring and, and the road runner that wasn't that strong during practice I caught a few on it but you know the water temperature was still in the 50s so I knew you know the fish were still going to be shallow but the whole time I mean you know anybody that goes fishing you look at the weather and I know you know, I see what the weather forecast is for three days from now. We're going to have some absolutely cold, I'm talking Arctic blast weather. So you kind of have to practice for that. You want to go pitch around in a dock or something and get a bite, of course, but you know that fish ain't going to be there come tournament time because the cold is just going to mess everything up. But I still thought, you know, that I would do well fishing a jig on docks, brush piles, stuff like that, you know, kind of like what I've done in the SLW tournament the year before. Right. But during the tournament, you know, I started out with the fish head. I finished the limit out pretty quick every morning, even the first tournament day. I left those fish bite. Just knowing, you know, that I could go out there and pick my jig up, throw it the rest of the day. Even if I only got two or three bites, I would catch a fish that would help me a lot, four, five, six pounder. I burned 10 hours of tournament time during the classic chasing that bite. But it just didn't happen. And, you know, I, I looked at the forecast for Sunday. We're just going to have a dark, gloomy, overcast, rainy day. That's just what the doctor ordered if you catch them on the road run. It doesn't get any better. And I told a lot of people, if I'm sitting at home with nothing to do, that's the day I go to Lake Hartwell just to fun fish. You know, those nasty days because they really bite. But, you know, we looked at the forecast and the weather changed so much. You didn't really know that it was going to be that way till you woke up that morning. I wasn't really banking on it till the next morning, but I knew going into the last day of the Classic, there was no way I was going to be able to go out there and spend that much time with a jig. It wasn't going to happen. So I was prepared right. to just totally abandon everything I had and just start a new water on the final day. But I was going to definitely start with the fish hit. Right. So, so do you really think, you know, you were in sixth place going into the final day, if I recall correctly? Let's just assume that it's a sunny day and you go back to to maybe fishing your jig, but because of that cold weather, that's potentially why you weren't, you know, maybe first or second is because you kept chasing that bite. Do you really think that that weather was part of the reason and the ability for you to have confidence in what you're doing, knowing the lake and understanding that that really played the biggest role in you winning that 
that event. Obviously, you've got to be, you know, a fantastic angler to be able to make that adjustment. But if the weather doesn't change, does somebody else, you know, maybe in the top five continue to catch them the way that they had been catching them throughout the other parts of the event? Absolutely. The weather plays a big role anytime that time of year in South Carolina. If it would have been sunny the last day, I don't know what would have happened, but right. I'm just glad it would. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. glad me, it me too, but... man. I'm so happy that you got the win, and, and it really just shows, you know, nice guys finish first. You know, I leave it simple as that. Yeah. that. Like I said, you know, going into that final day, I had stuff tied on that, you know, I hadn't even fished with all week long. So I was really ready to abandon ship and go do some cranking. Just completely get, do away with the jig. It wasn't working. I couldn't make it happen. And I know some of the best places on the lake to do it. It wasn't going on. You couldn't win that way. That certainly is a testament to you stepping away and, like Kurt said, making the, the necessary adjustments, even though that was your favorite way. We all know uh, you can't force feed the bass. And, nope. and you actually... You can't, you can't make them bite it. That's for sure. <laughs> that is for sure. You alluded to kind of the herring and the ditch bite and throwing the fish head spin or the road runner bite. But concerning the blueback herring and how they affect bass movement in the lakes that are a primary forage for bass, how does that impact spring fishing in those lakes? And also, can other lakes that have shad react on a similar fashion in the springtime of the year? Yeah, they key on herring. I mean, there's, there's shad in those lakes too, but they would rather eat herring. You know, they're a lot bigger. But the thing about springtime fishing on a herring lake, the fish act a lot like striper. I mean, they're still predictable, but they suspend a lot. That's the problem. That's why that, that road runner so good where we live. I mean, they'll even school in 40-degree water temperature, chasing those blueback in the backs of the ditches. But the reason they get there, all of those ditches that you catch them in, we call them a ditch. It's a freshwater run-in is what it is, you know, and it still actually has a ditch cut into it, and that's where the fish relate to, but the bait gets there because of that run-in in the back. You know, if you fish in a dead-end pocket that has no fresh water coming in, the bait doesn't get there. They get there for the fresh water running in. That's what brings the bait as does the fish, but they do. They suspend big time. They act like stripers. I mean, even in the dead of winter, when you'll go over there and catch them suspended over 80, 100 feet of water. It just kind of changes them up, changes them up all year long, but I a lot of people you know there's only three times a year where herring play and that's obviously February early spring February March right before they go on the bed obviously when the herring spawns that's when everybody loves the top water action around here in the fall they'll get out suspended over Main Lake Point and you can call them up out of deep water and, and catch them on top again but anytime between that if I'm fishing around here I'm running a shad pattern or a brand pattern gotcha that makes a lot of sense you know those are obviously key times of year those are the times of year when if you're not on that blueback bite or under Understanding what their movements are, you probably aren't competing for the win, I would assume. That's exactly right. But I've been able to duplicate that same type stuff, scratch the top water deal. But the early spring on a shad lake, you know, I've been able to catch some. I caught some on uh, Table Rock last year doing that. It wasn't good enough for me to be able to win the tournament because it got a little warm and the fish rushed the bank. But you can do that in other places. Let's talk a little bit more about the lure, the underspin or, or road runner, the horsehead lure that you relied on to uh, win the classic. Prime example, working in February, right? Uh, there we go. We got the classic champ. And uh, what are conditions that you would use that lure throughout, you know, a bass's seasonal patterns? And uh, what are your favorite ways to present that technique? The bait really, to be honest with you, it's a cold water bait to me. You know, anytime the water temperature in the fall, when it drops below 60, all the way through to the fish start spawning, that's when I use it the most. And it's really used more commonly for, like I was telling you, schooling fish in the wintertime, suspended fish, big time suspended fish. 
And I, I've been fishing things so long, and I figured out different ways to do it. And I actually like to fish it on the bottom like I was doing in the classic. And what that does, most of the time, even if you are catching them suspended, as the day gets later and the sun gets higher, the fish, they'll push a little closer to the bottom. And fishing it like that usually allowed me to catch one or two more after the fish quit biting. That sometimes makes a big difference. A guy, first hour in the morning, catches three, you know, I can slow down and get that bait on the bottom, and, you know, you catch the limit. But that's probably my favorite way to fish it, just because a lot of guys, they don't do it that way. But it is, it's a super slow, finesse presentation. I'm throwing it on casting gear, but still, you know, it's 10-pound full carbon. The slower you can wind that bait, the better off you are. Even in the clear water, that's the deal. You know, some guys, I've been fishing with them, and they just kind of wind it way too fast, and you'll catch 10 to their one. It is a slow presentation, painfully slow. If you watch the classic footage, <laughs> and you've seen how slow I was having to fish it, you really got to have confidence in it to fish it that way. Well, and the funny are thing you- is, Casey, you know, on that is you would think that would be easy to do of just reeling it slow, but the mental concentration to do that cast after cast after cast is just grueling. Yeah, it is. And, you know, for me, I fish that bait so much, I know where it's at. Say, I make a long cast, the fish is suspended. I've done it so much and played with the retrieve and the rod and the line and the weight of the bait. I can count it down to five and I know that bait's going to get to 20. You know, I can count it down to 15 and I know it's going to get to 35. I've used that bait so much and I have so much confidence in it. That slow retrieve is really the deal to keep your bait where you need it to be in the water column. So no matter what depth, are you generally using the same size weight? Yeah, and the reason I use the same size weight is for that reason. You know, I've done it for so long, I'm comfortable knowing that I'm keeping my bait in that depth range. And the one that you key up with is a 3 eighths or 3 quarter? It's Which a 3 eighths. Yep. 3 eighths. Yeah, okay. I'll I throw the three-eighths mostly. About the only time I'll throw a quarter, you know, is when they really get the pushing bait shallow in the backs of the pockets. You know, it's something you can keep a little higher, but that three-eighths is my workhorse. That's good to know. And, of course, you probably just increased the sales of that lure by uh, tenfold right there with that piece of information. So certainly appreciate that, Casey. Hey, but before we go to break, you know, this is a little off topic, but, you know, I grew up around country music, obviously. And, and for those listeners that don't know, Casey is a phenomenal country music artist, not a chart topper yet. But that's because he's, you know, you're choosing to concentrate really on the on the fishing instead of the singing. Your mini release a few years back has some great tunes. Where do you see the music career heading, or the music love, passion, whatever you want to call it, in the years to come? Man, I don't know. To be honest with you, I, I love the fish. That's my first passion. I love to sing, but as much time as I spend in Nashville there for about two years, I kind of figured out this is something if I make it a job. I don't want to enjoy it anymore. I don't want that to happen. I sing because I want to. Not saying that I'm not going to do another album, but I'm not going to try to go down that road to chase music as a career. I want to do it when I want to and because I love it. That's just where I'm going to keep that. That's pretty awesome. You got six songs out there, right? Mm-hmm. Take them through where they can get it. Yep. You can get them on iTunes. You can actually order it off of my website, caseyasher.com, and uh, you can order it off of CD Baby as well. Awesome. That, that's good stuff. I've listened to all of them. I think they're all great songs, man, and uh, you do a great job and love it when you sing the national anthem at the elite events too so if uh, any listeners want to come out and hear Casey sing the anthem usually most any elite event he's out there singing and uh, there's lots <laughs> yeah, it's of hard to do it early in the morning too <laughs> man I don't know how you do that man I'd be cry- I-, I can't even do bass edge radio that early in the morning my voice is crackling <laughs> everywhere I tell you what it's time to take a quick break here at bass edge radio we'll be right back with 2015 classic champ Casey Ashley 
If it's hard to stop or you hear squealing and grinding noises during braking, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts. You'll find the brake parts you need from trusted brands like BrakeBest, BrakeBest Select, and Wagner ThermoQuiet at everyday low prices. Play it safe with brake parts from O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Bass Edge Radio, presented by MegaWare Keel Guard, returns with Bassmaster Classic champion Casey Ashley in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Lucas Oil high-performance marine products, from real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturer's requirements, visit them at lucasoil.com. It works. Casey, changing gears just a little bit, let's talk some other fishing techniques. One I know that you are particularly fond of, and that's fishing with a fluke. What are the best times of year and conditions to break out the flukes to catch some more bass? Yeah, man, that fluke, that's the best thing since sliced bread in the fishing world. You can catch fish all across <laughs> the country with it, but... You you know, for me, it's uh, growing up on the Herring Lakes, that's one of the best baits that we have to mimic a Herring. Number one, you know, you get all these top water baits, like the Thumper Popper Super Spook Gunfish, you know, it, the word's out now, you have no secrets. So everybody's running around the lake, throwing those big loud baits day in, day out. The fluke is still your finesse top water deal for us. And we catch a lot of fish on it. And, you know, over the years, we've done several different ways. You know, you've got the double fluke rig. You can pretty much do anything you want to with it. You can make a fluke a front runner. I've actually seen a guy rig up a top water bait with a fluke in the front and two or three tied to the back of the walking bait. And he'd catch four or five at one time. <laughs> no way. But, yeah, but that's uh, the fluke. I got a boat full of them all the time. That's, that's a bait that you can't leave home without. You may not use it at the next tournament. You've got to have them in the boat in case you do need them. Seasonal pattern-wise, is it good pre-spawn, post-spawn, summer, fall? Do you like it every time of year, or is there particular times of year that you find it shines? Well, it really shines in the summertime, but we catch them on it year-round. Sometimes we'll take a fluke. You put it on a jig head. You know, we call it a lead-head fluke. Fish it on the bottom, kind of like in the same places where you throw the road runner. Right before the fish go on bed, you know, once they get up there cruising super shallow in the middle of the day, you know, you can catch those fish on a fluke too. That's one of my favorite ways to fish in the springtime. Even in Florida, man, you can go down there and, and catch those spawners and pre-spawners on a fluke. That bait is a... Somebody can try to copy it, but it's always going to be around for years and years and years to come. Yeah, it's certainly a staple. And talk just briefly on your setup, Casey. You know, sometimes a fluke can be a little difficult to throw in the wind, and certainly the gear comes into play on that. How do you throw that effectively, you know, stay in contact with your bait and make sure that you're getting the hookups? A lot of guys mess up with a fluke on their rod. You can't have too stiff of a rod because you won't be able to throw it. I like to throw it just a hook for the fluke. No swivel, no nothing, you know, and that's top water burn style that I like to do. But what I'm using is a real soft tip, medium heavy rod. I throw it on a quantum XO, seven foot medium heavy. And that tip, no matter what rod you use, you know, you've got to have a tip that's soft enough for that fluke to load your rod. Because if it's not soft enough, you're using a heavy rod, that fluke's not going to load it. You can't throw it very far. I always throw it on 15 pound floor carbon. It's kind of the in between. The line's small enough to actually cast it. And you put it on 20 you're not going to be able to cast it as far. If you really go lower than 15, you can't jerk hard enough to get the hook in them on a long cast. So, you know, 15-pound fluorocarbon for me, that's kind of the staple deal for 
fluke fishing. I always throw it on a seven, three to one, or even eight to one gear ratio because I like to burn it, especially top water season. When the herring starts spawning, you want to keep that thing skipping across the water and dancing and doing all kind of stuff that you want to do. But the faster to retrieve, even if you are fishing it slow, actually letting your fluke go out of sight, that faster retrieve, you know, when one does hit it, a lot of times, you know, you don't see them get it, you just feel them coming to you. So you need that faster retrieve to catch up to them and get a hook set into them. But the main deal fishing the fluke is throwing on a seven at a seven foot medium heavy rod that tips plays a big role in you cast it. Probably helps also the way you're working the lure as well. It's kind of got a little snap back and get that bait hopping and dancing the way you like it. Absolutely. You know, and a lot of guys don't really know how you fish the flute till they see it. You know, I've even had marshals and stuff when we've been to Murray and, and Clarksville during top water season. You know, I, my fleet stays out of the water more than it stays in. You know, I'm fishing that fast. And that, <laughs> wow. That's, that's what triggers a bite. Everybody likes to keep it on the water and watch it do its motion. That's pretty it is. It's doing what you want it to do. But, man, the faster it seems like around here on the Herring Lakes especially, the faster you can work it, the better they like it. It skips across the water and everything else. But that is probably one of my most favorite baits to throw during top water season. That's because on a Herring Lake, they're trying to get the heck out of Dodge because they're about to be eating, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, several parts of the country are going to be headed into the post-spawn phase here over the next few weeks. We're sitting here in early April, and for guys that are going to be hitting the water, and, and girls are going to be hitting the water late April, into May. What is Casey Ashley looking for to put some of those post-spawn fish in the boat? Post-spawn, you know, first thing I'm going to look for is a shad spawn. That's the time of year. That once the fish get done, that's about time for the shad to start spawning. I'm going to pick a spinnerbait up, and depending on where you are, you know, a walking bait. I love a spook. I love a gunfish. You know, a pop R works well, depending on the size of your bait. But, you know, spinnerbait, I'm, I'm mainly going to take it and burn down the bank. Not really expecting to catch fish. I mean, you can catch them on a Bait, but what I'm doing is looking for the bait. When the shad starts spawning, they'll follow your spinnerbait back and you at least know where the bait is and that gives you a good start. The bait the spawning right there may not have fish in it that day, but they're coming two, three days down the road. So that's what I like to do this time of year. Post-spawn, I'm going to burn the banks with a spinnerbait, points, rocks, rip wrap, any kind of cover that the shad spawn around. I'm going to try to find as many places as I can for time of day. So you're actually using a search bait to find the real bait to then turn around and bait. come back and hit it with something else. Absolutely. It's a fisher with the bait. It don't take you long to figure it out that they're there, and you don't really need to catch them. You know how to catch them once you find them. Uh, but I want to find as many places as I can, especially when we're practicing for a lead tournament. You know, you got three days of practice leading into it. I want to find as many places that the bait are spawning as I can. Because if they're not with this group, you know, if you go in the back of a creek, you don't see any fish with the bait. They're going to be there at some point in time during the week. So I just want to have enough places I can jump around to. And I got to say, you know, Casey's probably not sleeping in to find that bite either. It's an early morning deal, isn't it? It is. <laughs> to be honest with you, you'd be better off to stay up all night and go fish a couple of hours in the morning and go back home. <laughs> <laughs> then go back home and take you a nap. I mean, I'm serious. Once that... Especially if it's shed, you know, that first hour and a half in the morning, that's really all you've got. You know, you can go out there and find as much as you can that first hour and a half, and you might as well take a nap the rest of the day. You bet. Well, here we go, guys. It's time for the O'Reilly Auto Parts Better Parts, Better Prices Every Day listener question segment. Casey, in every episode, we give away a $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card to a listener question. This episode, we have selected Joseph Lang from Waukee, Iowa. Joseph asks, I'm a firm believer that you have to put in the time to become a better fisherman. When the weather is bad or you do not have the time to 
to get out on the water. What types of drills do you do at home to keep improving on your fishing technique? Man, that's a that's a funny question <laughs> that I would get that because my mom used to just absolutely think I was hilarious out in the yard flipping at buckets. I actually had, I had coon dogs when I was growing up. I loved the coon hunt. When I started fishing a bunch, I had to get rid of my dogs, and I still had, you know, dog boxes out there. So I would get 50 feet, 60 feet, and I'd try to throw a jig or whatever through those dog boxes just to practice on my casting when I was at home and couldn't actually be on the water. Anything you can do to hone in on your skills, that's what you need to be doing. Even if you can't be on the water, play in the swimming pool. You know, try to skip to one corner and put you some kind of little floating donuts in the pool and flip to them and, you know, anything that you can do when you're not on the water will help you when you do get on the water. Well, just the preparation that goes into the way you guys do it. And, you know, Kurt, I know one of the things that you do is you set up empty beer cans, and then every time you pitch a jig in there, then you reward yourself with a beer, right? Isn't that how That's it works? right. And, and as I get older, we're moving to shot glasses. <laughs> a little a little Captain Morgan, right? All right. All right. Whatever works, brother. All right. Hey, Joseph, seriousness, thank you so much for sending in your question. It just got answered by the current Bassmaster Classic champion. Hey, don't forget, please send us an email letting us know you heard it answered right here on this episode of Bass Edge Radio, and we will get that $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card sent out. Thanks, everyone, for your interest in Bass Edge Radio. Continue to send in all those questions, man. We love getting them here at the studio. You can get the opportunity to chance receive the next $100 gift card in the O'Reilly Auto Parts listener question segment. Questions and comments should come through our email address, support to BassEdge.com or our Facebook page and Twitter handle at BassEdge. Remember to include that name and hometown. Well, Casey, man, it has been awesome to have you on the show. Do you have any closing remarks for our listeners today? Man, I appreciate y'all having me. It's good to be able to talk to a fisherman on a radio show. That's, uh, that's, that's pretty cool, Kurt. Well, well, thanks, Casey. Bass Edge certainly wishes you continued success in 2015. And you know what? Let's not wait another 100 episodes before you're back on. Let's get you back on here uh, in short order and have some more fun and kind of raise the level of education of Bass Edge Nation. Hey, man. We can do it. I'd love to be on with you again. Just see you next time. We'll get it done. All right, Bass Edge Nation. We'll return right after these messages. Now you can order Bass Edge Season 3 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing as host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Denny Brower, Boyd Duckett, Randy Howell, and Dave Wolak. This two-disc set includes all 13 episodes. That's over 10 hours of Bass Edge, including interviews, bloopers, and highlights, all for just $19.95. Order online at BassEdge.com. And be sure to check out previously released DVDs like Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 and Electronics 101. Bass Edge, Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. Nothing like having the Bassmaster Classic champion on the air for Bass Edge Nation. You know, one of the things, Kurt, that I really gleaned from his interview was using a spinnerbait to search for bait. He will then turn around and come back with another bait to actually catch during the tournament. 
Very fascinating. Yeah, you know that shad, that herring bite in that springtime post-spawn situation like Casey was talking about. It's a small window of opportunity, as we discussed, but you can get healthy and really have great fishing quick. It's really awesome for every angler out there because it doesn't take a whole lot of time. It's a small window of opportunity. you got an hour and a half, two hours in the morning. you still got plenty of time to spend time with the kids in the afternoon or do the honey-do list and uh, still get out there and get on the lake when it's primo fishing time for just those couple hours in the morning. Casey obviously gave some great tips on on how to target those bass and getting healthy real quick. You know, I want to kind of go back to the uh, listener question. Casey had some great tips right there for Joseph. I also want to add in there, when the weather is poor and you're trying to improve your fishing, get online. You know, look at your local lake. You know, look at maps. Do some map study. Um, Start marking some areas that you think are going to have some seasonal opportunities for you as you go out and go through the year because a lot of times we just don't have the ability to sit down and really focus and study on those things and putting that paper map up with the Google Earth and and a lot of the things that we've talked about in the past that's a great thing to do to improve your fishing not technique wise but maybe you know in the studious wise when the weather's poor and in the winter time or if it's raining outside so yeah no doubt we talk so much about the technology piece and we're getting more wired all the time or i should say wireless uh you know the way this stuff runs in in this day and time but anyway hey we have reached our time allotment for episode number 205 want to remind everybody you have 14 days left to get your taxes done and kurt I know for all your millions, you might be filing an extension, so uh, don't forget to uh, get that issued in there. But no, <laughs> hey, in all seriousness, everybody, thanks so much for joining us. Be sure to send in those listener questions and give us a shout out on social media. For Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin and the rest of the Bass Edge crew. So long, everybody. We'll see you April 15th. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard keel protectors. The Edge is presented by KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lowrance, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.